I'm super, super excited to talk football with you again on our generic football show because it's been a it's been a while. It has been a while, hasn't it? Proper, yeah. And people have been people have been asking for us. Honestly, it, I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked. But you should have more faith, shouldn't we? I guess the, I should start with how have you been since we last spoke, which was probably sort of at the start of lockdown, was it? I feel it's it's been probably a good two, two and a half months since we last spoke on this here show. Yeah, it's, um, there's nothing much really to tell, is there? It's just, I mean, for me, being a healthcare worker, it hasn't really changed much. Mm. So I'm kind of going about my business, doing what what kind of needs to be done. but. It's just a little bit boring, isn't it? We've we've not spoke for this for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And yet there's nothing really to say, which is kind of the, the most amazing thing. What I find really interesting is like as football fans, like have we have we adapted to no football? And as a result, do we no longer miss it? Or do we like miss it intensely? I guess what I'm asking you is, have you replaced um football with anything um no i don't think you can replace it can you really football football's my first love yeah you can't replace your your first love well it's interesting because at the start of lockdown i was making up for it by watching loads of throwback football so i know on like bbc and various channels they're putting up games from previous world cups and stuff and i was watching a lot of that mutv was putting up old games and stuff um but after a while i don't know i just wasn't stimulated by that anymore and I haven't, my first love is still without doubt football, but I've definitely replaced it a little bit with basketball. Wow. I, well, no, no, I haven't replaced it. That's the complete wrong words, but I did watch that Netflix documentary, The Last Dance, about Michael Jordan um, and the Chicago Bulls team that dominated throughout the 90s. And I must admit, there was a yeah. time, maybe in the mid noughties when I was sort of like a, a teenager where I did go through a little phase of getting into basketball. Um, and then I went out of it again, but after watching that documentary, it sort of reignited my love and interest in basketball. So I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks or so, just watching highlights from the previous literally 10 years, just trying to catch up with like, who's good um, who's winning. Um, and I've decided I'm now a golden state warriors fan because I'm a big fan of Steph Curry. I just think you're just a massive glory sport, aren't you? A li- yeah. I am a bit, but the thing is you have to, with teams you support, you're either a glory supporter or there's some reason why you have an allegiance to a team. Like it's a local team or your dad supports them or something, but I have no allegiance to basketball or places in America. So yeah. I, I just pick whoever's the best. Fair. <laughs> it's not something that I've ever really got into. Mm. so I kind of I don't know where to uh, where to go with it yeah I mean we're not going to get into it because this isn't the generic basketball show the amount I know about basketball you can put on the back of a postage stamp and have room <laughs> yeah it's something that I've always wanted to get into but like I said I just never I've, I don't think I've been too lazy to get into it if I'm honest like mm-hmm. um, and I have found it quite an interesting sport I think it was just I was always terrible at, it at school mm-hmm um, and which kind of, if you're no good at something, you don't tend to associate yourself with it. And I think that's exactly what's happened. Well, it's it's funny you say that because there's very few sports that I enjoy watching but don't enjoy participating in. And basketball is probably one of the only ones that I was never really good at. I mean, I'm fairly short, especially as basketball has come. But I guess one of the main attractions for me, and I will relate this to football, like, the the branding around teams is like really exaggerated like teams their mascots are like everything like think of the chicago bulls it's a big red bull which is pretty cool when you think yeah. about it you can like imagine that it looks kind of similar to oxford united's logo in all fairness but just yeah. the the kind of branding like 
you know the the kind of clothing associated with the team the merchandise is pretty cool everything's kind of hip-hop like you don't really get sort of streetwear football kits i think it's kind of heading that way now but it hasn't been for the past however long like you get the original shirt that the players wear and then you get the street shirt that you can wear with jeans or something i quite like that style and yeah man i you know what i agree with you actually is the the fashion side is it like is really good i think that's the other thing though i can't pull off a, a basketball jersey like i i think that me in a vest which is extensively what it is yeah it just doesn't go well i ain't got the, I ain't got the biceps for it <laughs> So yeah, football is finally uh, returning. Uh, how, what do you make of this standard? Do you think it's good that the Premier League's coming back and the season's going to be ended? Or do you think we should have followed like the French and the Dutch and postponed the season? Or done like League League One and Two and ended it early? The French the French want to bring it back. Well, Leon want to bring it back, don't they? Um... I personally love the fact that it's coming back. Mm-hmm. I love that it's coming back on a big scale. It's me being selfish, to be honest, because um, I completely com- understand the the worry from the player's point of view mm-hmm. as to why they wouldn't want to partake. Yeah. I think you're always going to have that worry that there could be a second a second wave of the pandemic. Yeah. And if you get that, you're struggling, aren't you? I just can't wait. And just from a bias point of view, just I think it's just to see Liverpool over the line. I think that's the one thing I'm excited about. Yeah. What about yourself? How are you feeling about it? Well, it's it's interesting that you added that end bit because looking at it from a bias perspective as a Man United fan, I was quite excited at the prospect of Liverpool missing out on the chance to win the league, which is quite spiteful of me, I know. But overall, I I think it's it's good. Football's coming back. My my. Big concern is, will it be as enjoyable watching football behind closed doors? Because I don't know about you, but I've been watching some Bundesliga and it feels like you're watching training in a sort of weird way. One really enjoyable thing about watching football, of course in the stadium, but also at home is like hearing the fans kind of get on players' backs and sing and stuff and I'm sure as a Liverpool fan you know when Liverpool's rocking as it has been with all the success recently that must add an extra dimension to watching and even for the players to playing the game and not having fans singing you'll never walk alone is going to be a bit strange I think I think I think we take like atmosphere for granted like Mm. I mean I personally would because it's always been there. So when you've watched football, you kind of think to yourself, like, well, you don't even think it's just there. Um, yeah. I watched, we, the weekend just gone, I watched the RB Leipzig game, uh, which was on at the same time as the Bayern Munich by Leverkusen game. Yeah. And the one stark difference was, is that during the Bayern Munich game, there was artificial crowd noise. Mm. Um, so they've started to, in, so they've started to add that in and it makes a massive difference. It's nothing too major, don't get me wrong, it's just you know a bit of background noise behind the commentators and whatnot, but it adds that sense of normality to it. So, are and, you saying you pref- preferred the background noise, preferred the crowd noise? Yeah, massively, massively. Um, Interesting. I think, I think football misses a massive, massive... Um, Blur when watching mm-hmm. if you don't have crowd noise. Mm-hmm. It's ju- it just feels it feels naked. It feels um, unnatural. Well, it's interesting because football is definitely, especially at the the top end, become it's really the people's game. Like it's the fans that that make it what it is. And if it wasn't for the fans, it wouldn't be as great as it is. So kind of missing out on fans takes away such, like you said, it takes away such a huge, important factor that we easily take for granted. Um, I don't know if you've seen, I think I told you about this. Um, Sorry, it's obviously been lockdown, so I'm coming out with all the Netflix recommendations, but there's a a programme on, 
I can't remember if it was iPlayer or Netflix, but it's a story surrounding the kind of when football essentially started the FA Cup. This is in like the 1870s or something like that. Um, and yeah, it kind of talks about how the FA was ran by a load of boys who went to Eton College and it was like the gentlemen versus the the workers that work up in the factories up in the north. And yeah, it just told the story. I won't go into too much detail, but it told the story about how football came about. And in that, it it really hones in on the fact that the people are hugely important. Like it means everything, particularly the clubs in the north that were like the working class clubs that the players worked in the factories. The people meant everything to them. They weren't winning the FA Cup because they wanted to be seen as the greatest team. They're winning the FA Cup because the people deserved that acknowledgement. And I think it stands today like the people are fundamental to the club. So not having them there is it's a huge loss, man. Do you think it's do you think that's that element of football has been lost though? In in the sense of football is so money oriented now it's no longer a sport it's a business hmm. everything every, everything that you know we hear about football at the moment is business related it's not that people want to get back to playing football it's not that you know it's not that people want to have to kick a ball about it's that Tottenham have had to take out a £175 million pound loan um, mm-hmm. football, football league clubs are struggling all over the shop because you know there's no games being played which means you know, there's no fans, which means no tickets are being sold. Mm-hmm. Um, Paying back the TV license money and stuff. That element of football seems to be lost. And I'm kind of hoping that, you know, I, I don't, there's no, there's going to be no positives from having a pandemic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is that the closest thing I think you're going to get is that the potential for, football to go back to basics i think yeah i hear you um you know what i mean we might find that prices do drop a little bit you know like like the you know to you know hopefully you know somewhere a little closer to the german clubs mm-hmm. like the 50 to 1 rule yeah they've become they've become a very the premier league has become a like a, a conglomerate is that, is that how you say it? I feel like I'm... Conglomerate, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm drunk every time I say that word. Um, <laughs> and what happens is is they they are sucking all the money the football takes into this massive bubble because of the TV licence and because of how many billions it makes. And it's become a monster. Yeah. It's become this, this unnatural, unstable monster. And... I think that at some point, if if this isn't the wake up call that they get, I think that that monster will will burst, and you're going to be left with a seismic hole in in the world of football and a lot of debt. Yeah, so much so that I think it'll it 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 will it will eradicate some teams because they will not be able to live with it. You look at you look at how teams struggle when they get relegated to the championship, and mm-hmm. they're still getting parachute payments. So I think that this this financial this financial bubble that the Premier League teams surround themselves in needs to needs to lower and become smaller to to survive. I I think. Yeah. Um, and not just, and and it's not so much for them because at the moment they're obviously reaping the rewards, but for the sake of the football league clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm kind of hoping that that does that. And I think we're going to start to see that in transfers as well. And I think that's the big one. I think transfers, um, I mean, the flip side of it is, is that um, Liverpool won't sign Timo Werner because 50 million on a player in this current market and in this current situation is is a lot of money and it's money that at the moment isn't deemed necessary because it could mm. create an issue further down the line and then you've got the flip side of that Chelsea have decided that they're going to you know chuck a load of money if you if you read what the papers are saying um, at the situation 
In all I'm fairness, I kind of get why Chelsea have done that. I mean, they had a, they had a transfer ban for a while, so all this money they would have spent over the last year and a bit, are you not shocked? Saved. Uh well, I was at first until I acknowledged the fact that they haven't spent money because of their transfer ban and because they sold Hazard. Like, I feel like they're probably good for it. I mean, they still they still brought in um, Pulisic. Pulisic. He was a he was a fair amount of money. Um, they've brought. I don't think they paid for him yet, but they got Zayek, haven't they? As well, yeah. Um, so they're spending big, and I don't know whether or not that that will start to become a rarity more and more. I'm kind of hoping it does. Like I miss the days. I, I've, I've spoken to you about this before. I miss the days where fifty million pound was just ridiculous. Like Zidane going for like... 47 he was, wasn't he? Yeah, 47 and a half, I think it was. Was like, wow. Like now, like, you're picking up a, you're picking up a, you know, a average player for that price now. You're picking up someone that isn't even a world beater. Mm. Well, I think it's really interesting what you're saying. It seems that football is sort of a microcosm of society as a whole where there is a few elite super rich and then the rest of people just can't keep up at all and I think it's indicative of the Premier League like in what 30 years almost only nine teams have won because only those a short amount of teams can afford to be competing at that level and can afford to spend bare money on players it's interesting as well you mentioned about what getting relegated does to a club and it shocked me to see with the announcement of League 1 and League 2 kind of finishing things early I looked at the league tables and thought rah Bolton Wanderers yeah I swear they were playing like Europa League not too long ago and now they're was it bottom of League 1 they're getting relegated from League 1 yeah they're getting relegated to League 2 now um, sad set of affairs they've, they've hit a real financial bump and this is the thing what what the other the other point I just wanted to add quickly was that we, we are no doubt if we aren't already in a recession and going into a recession where, you know, the economy is going to take a massive hit from, you know, everything that the country is needed to do to protect themselves. Um, like the furlough system. Uh, and because of that, people are going to unfortunately be laid off. People are going to lose their, you know, they're going to lose their jobs. They're, they're going to have less income. Like well, the people who can't already keep up will yeah. suffer even more. And rather than... Really... Yeah, go on. I kind of hope that, you know, we are talking about the working class cities and the working class people. Football's a working class sport. And I kind of hope football teams remember that. Mm-hmm. And in times of desperation, when football is the one thing that keeps a person going, that in times of need, they aren't, you know, the money-grabbing soulless entities that we now seem to think they are. Yeah. I think that's it. Like, football is the ultimate... I mean, even if, for example, Manchester United and Liverpool are enemies, you would say. But I like to think that if one of those clubs, let's say Manchester United, found themselves in financial crisis, ran the risk of getting... And they're relegated or kicked out of the league or whatever. I like to think that Liverpool, if they're good for it, could show some support. And I, I just think that needs to happen across the whole of football. I think the balance massively needs to be readdressed. It's completely unfair that the rich teams get richer and the poor teams get poorer. And sorry to link it back to basketball. There'll probably be a few basketball references. But one other thing that's quite exciting is that the same team doesn't win every year. Well, I mean, there's periods where for five years a team might win, but they'll very quickly fall from grace. Um, Any team has the chance of becoming champions in a five-year period, whereas it doesn't really feel the same in England, in the Premier League. I can't imagine Crystal Palace suddenly challenging for the title. Even though Leicester did it, that was a one-off, but you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, I completely understand what you're saying, but that that goes back to that financial... um 
that financial aspect, doesn't it? If everyone was on a level playing field, it would be un- unbelievable, really. Wouldn't it? I think we're so used to having this financial powerhouse. Um, Is it? In, that's a lovely segue, actually, because um, so Man City are potentially getting sort of banned from European competition because of a breach of financial fair play. Um, they're obviously they said they're going to contest it or fight it. Um, which sort of suggests that they believe they're innocent at least, but it seems like Man City are the only team to believe they're innocent. But it's it's a bit of a tough one, really, because um, I'm sort of conflicted on this, if I'm honest, Dan. Because generally speaking, I think if you breach financial fair play, it's it's straight up unfair, and you're giving yourself an unfair advantage over other clubs in the league. But then at yeah. the same time, I kind of feel like if you've got it, then you're going to want to spend it. Um, I think it goes back to the whole fairness thing though, doesn't it? You know, if you have someone that is, um, take, I I mean, I was reading a graph uh, the other week about if the um, Saudi Arabian consortium took over Newcastle. Yeah. That they would completely dwarf Manchester City. Really? Um, Yeah. And... Countries are buying football teams. That's ridiculous. Sorry, Carrie. This, this is it. And it's kind of like, it's a whole my dad's bigger than your dad, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. what it seems to be now. I, I like the fact that's financial fair play because I think that is exactly what we don't want to happen. If someone is able to buy whoever they want, whenever they want, they're going to run away with it every year. Mm-hmm. It's going to become boring. So I like the fact that there's that that acknowledgement that something needs to be done to create a um, a more stable stable balance. Yeah. Like a sort of competition commission, if you were, that they have in like business. Yeah, as such. And that way that way football doesn't become boring because I think if if Newcastle got, you know, owners that were worth, I mean, the consortium, let's say it's worth 70 billion, right? Mm-hmm. Newcastle could go and buy, yeah, they, but Newcastle could go and buy whoever they like. I, it, not an issue. If there's no financial fair play, they could buy whoever they like twice over. Mm-hmm. That means Newcastle will go and win the league for God knows how many years, right? Potentially. Football gets boring at that point because if they're walking the league all the time because they've got the best the best crop of players at on, least on the they, at, hmm. at least if they you know they have that money behind them and are curtailed to how much they are able to spend that because you might I think what you'll find as well is I think you'll find that other clubs will try and spend beyond their means just to stay competitive and I think that's the other issue on the flip side of it is that if clubs overspent to stay competitive that's when administration happens that's when clubs got out of business it's interesting because on the other hand like I'm actually quite excited at the prospect of Newcastle getting loads of money because it means there's another team that's actually going to compete and I kind of feel on the other hand if every team was bought by a country let's say um, Yemen by Everton and uh, does Yemen have a lot of money I don't know, but it's near Saudi Arabia, isn't it? I thought you were going to say, well, it's only Everton, but no, nah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's think of a completely random country. Um, let's say um, Bolivia, a Bolivian consortium by Crystal Palace. Um, I think it would be quite interesting if all, what I'm trying to say is if all teams came into money, then maybe it actually enhances the competition. But then maybe at the expense of creating even more of a distance between say Premier League and Championship or League One I or feel whatever. like we should commit I feel like we should commit a country to a Premier League team like the former Republic of Macedonia for like <laughs> Burnley <laughs> yeah countries running teams I mean, uh, we could go on about financial fair play, but one th- one really fun thing I wanted to do in this podcast, Dan, that uh, 
Um, you kind of brought to my attention a while back now, actually, and you brought it to my attention. I thought it was entirely your idea. Turns out you saw it somewhere on Twitter. But basically, <laughs> we got we got our girlfriends to your wife. Sorry, um, I was going to say, yeah, don't listen. <laughs> um, to write down a football like sort of starting eleven, basically. I've and just I guess something. what's that? I've had a new phone since this, so I might you might have to send mine back over to me. I can send it right back to you right now. Yeah, there you go. It's on, you on the WhatsApp. You're a good man. <laughs> so I guess the reason why this is potentially quite funny is because it's it's on the assumption that girlfriends of girlfriends of guys who are really into football tend to not know as much about football. And I guess the ultimate test is how much does your partner pay attention to you when you're going on about it? <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I do want to stress that this is such a thin line, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I know my wife knows nothing about football. So I knew that the results of this was going to be incredible. The fact that she named, well, technically she didn't actually name 11 players. What she done was she named 10 and then linked one back to this player's partner. <laughs> so I was thinking um, maybe what we should do is kind of name our starting 11. We've both gone for 4 4 2. Yeah. Um, and I, I think maybe we name, like I say a goalkeeper, then you say your goalkeeper, and we'll do it that way. How does that sound? Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm fully up for it. I'm fully up for it. I, by the way, just I'm not having this debate again with you because we've had this debate over WhatsApp. My team is battering yours, all right? Well, I was talking to a friend about this, actually, and they said, have you got FIFA? And I was like, why did you ask? And they said, you should build these teams on FIFA and simulate a game and see who wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of players in here that I don't think are on FIFA, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess when we're naming them, let's assume these players are in their prime and then we can weigh up who's got the better team. Because some of these players are retired, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, do you want to go first um, or shall I? Yeah, no, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, so in goal, she's gone for Alan Shearer, which is uh, it's a head turner. It's a head turner. Uh, I think Alan Shearer would be a decent goalkeeper, to be honest. He hangs about goals quite a lot, to be fair. Yeah, well, I, think he's, <laughs> I, think, I, think that's I think he's a shoe in there, mate. Um, I've got an actual goalkeeper in goal here. Oh, David De Gea. Spelt Gea, though. Without oh, it's like okay. an H instead of a G, but yeah, still yeah, David De Gea. Right back, uh, uh, right back Ashley Cole. So I'm taking that as a bit of a win, to be honest. I mean, he's he's a left back, but I guess wing backs are wing backs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's, if she weren't getting him left back, right back's the closest. I guess he's he's cutting in and crossing the ball with his left foot rather than yeah. getting down the line. Yeah, a bit of a robin so he's alright at right back I don't he's not a right back but I think he would do a good job at right back Marcus Rashford and then in brackets I have loyal dog loyal dog she considers him to be quite a loyal dog I'm <laughs> <laughs> just handling that you're just a loyal dog mate just a loyal dog <laughs> I think um, it, it's meant to be a compliment, sort of. Like, he, yeah, he does what he's told and he's good. You pat him on the head and say, well done. Very hidden. Um, <laughs> so, centre-backs. Yeah, are you going to give me both of them or just one? Yeah, yeah no, I'm going to give you both because I, okay. I, I think they really do. We've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh. Who, who is not going to lose a header. So, no. I'm having that. I'm having that. The only problem is a bit flare. Is a bit too much flare at the back. Yeah. Um, and Thierry Henry. So if we're talking Thierry Henry in his prime, and Ronaldo in his prime, that you're not getting, you're not outpacing my centre backs, are you? You've got some pretty quick centre backs, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Thierry I mean, Henry's I've got... terrible with his head though. He's got that egghead shape, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So... He's not bad with his arm. Yeah, he's decent um, with his arm, though. So, Island yeah. fans will remember that, yeah. Um, so I've got two attacking players in defence as well. We've got Harry Kane. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think he'll make a decent centre-back. And uh, Zed, question mark, in brackets, Crystal Palace, black dreadlocks. It's Louis Zahar, not Louis Zahar, Wilfred Zahar, Louis. sorry. Louis. <laughs> I've done that before, haven't I? <laughs> Wilfred Zahar and Harry Kane at centre-back. I, I think I think they're a bit they're a bit bad, you know. I don't think I don't think Wilfred Zaha's got a defensive bone in him. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm getting at that defence for my strike force, mate. <laughs> yeah. um, left back, Genie Vinealdum, which I was really impressed with. And I think nice. that's only because the Genie Vinealdum song. Um, is it spelt correctly? No, it's not. It's spelt genie as in like a genie. Um <laughs> And then, in a bottle. And, then, and then it's a V instead of a W. So Vin oh. Aldum, but I'll give, I'll give it a give it a That's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I'll take it. Um I've got at left back Harry Maguire. Ooh, oh, pretty solid I'll defender. I tell you what, it's good, but my right back has got him on toast, mate. I'm sorry, my right mid has got him on toast. I'll get hit with your right mid. Jamie Vardy. Ooh, that he would make a decent Cutting in, scoring he would, goals. He, he would one of those. Harry Maguire on toast. Oh, I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. Harry Maguire's, you know, he's class. I think he's one of England's, if not England's, best defender. I mean, no, nah, Joe Gomez. But we'll, we'll we'll debate that later. Joe Gomez. <laughs> okay, right wing. I've got um, quite a decent right winger actually. Uh, I think he was taken for granted at Manchester United. Ashley Young. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Ashley Young in his prime when he was at Villa before he was a prick. It was decent. <laughs> um, Fitting. Um, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, centre midfield ballers. Both both can play centre midfield, so I'm all right with it. Wayne Rooney. Okay. Nice. And David Beckham. Honestly, oh. what a midfield! What a midfield! They're the kind of midfield that ping balls about. They're like kind yeah. of Xabi Alonso, Perlo midfielders, aren't they? So, honestly, Love beat that, mate. Beat that. Kind of like John Joe Shelby, but a bit more classy. Honestly, don't you ever compare <laughs> John Joe Shelby to them two. <laughs> honestly. Well, I think my players are a bit more intricate in terms of what they do from centre mid. In terms of they're not pinging balls about, but they're playing nice little one twos and stuff, kind of like a, a Xavi and Iniesta partnership. Um, I have Juan Mata and yeah. it says here Jordan Sancho, but I think it's meant to be Jaden Sancho. Okay, okay. I mean, it's not bad. Intricate, I get. They're going to get bullied, though. They're going to get bullied. You've got the tiki taka. It's going to get, like, Wayne Rooney is going to come in studs up. <laughs> he will yeah midfield I've got Perry Little Mix's boyfriend which I've deciphered as Alex Oxlade Chamberlain <laughs> you know what I only found out during lockdown that he's going out of someone from Little Mix yeah. and I only found this out because I was watching a video on Sky Sports of him in his house and his girlfriend kept getting in the shot and I was like what why is she such a person of interest and then yeah. I realised, oh, it's because she's a singer. Yeah, so Alex Roxy Chamberlain on the left. Cheers. I think my left winger. Who is your right back again? Uh, Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole. I mean, he, he he's a good fullback, but can he handle the pace of Aubameyang? On toast, mate. On toast. What, Aubameyang's putting Cole on toast? No, not a chance, mate. Cole used to deal with Ronaldo. Aubameyang's nothing. Aubameyang's oh. like a grade, a grade four Ronaldo. I mean, I'm pretty impressed though that she's put Aubameyang on the left. I think that's a good yeah, position. Yeah, she's put Aubameyang right. Perfect. I can, wow. You know what? It's really funny because when she put down this team, I completely understood why she chose these players. And I can recognise my influence on all of them. Aubameyang <laughs> apparently looks a bit like me. And that's possibly why he's so memorable honestly if it, if your hairline looks anything like his when I send these pictures you're in trouble <laughs> it's not that bad <laughs> um, no it's so closer to my eyebrows strikers. than his strikers yep right 
up top, I've got the formidable partnership of Lionel Messi Ooh. and Jamie Redknapp. Um, <laughs> yeah, you said Messi and I got really excited. Then you said Redknapp and I kind of thought, hmm. Honestly, Maybe. Jamie Redknapp, i tell you what, if we, we might do a little swap around at halftime and bring Wayne Rooney up top and Jamie Redknapp I was thinking in the centre. That makes a lot more sense. Redknapp's a really interesting one. Um, literally, a bit, I think I think she, you know, has, has a bit of a thing for him. Sees him on like um, a league of their own. That's that's, and I think she was just stuck at that point. So oh, I see. Yeah, he's. So I mean, I don't know how old he is, but he retired a long time ago, and he still looks like he's in his thirties. Honestly, what a beaut! But yeah. I'm just really, I'm really gutted that she didn't put Stephen Gerrard in. To be honest, <laughs> it's really gutted. Well, it's interesting. I don't have Ronaldo or Messi in this squad. And I think Mel said it's because they're too bait. There's a bit of showing off here. I think yeah. she knew more than I gave her credit for. Well, I think that showing off's cost you, by the way. Um, My strikers, as strikers go in today's era of football, these are possibly two of the best strikers, definitely in the Premier League. Um, got Raheem Sterling and Mo Salah. That's a good, uh, that's strong. That's strong. I can't argue with that. I can't mm. argue with that. I mean, I do think overall you'll get beat up. I think I you'll know. get I think that's just, whew, honestly. Well, I did, mention, I did mention showing off. So I only asked her to put down 11 players, but I also have a bench and a manager. Do you want to hear no, my, my bench? I don't have a bench. Yeah, go on. Hit me with it. We've got Paul Pogba. Yeah. Jordan Pickford. Yeah. Ruben Loftus Cheek. Ruben Loftus Cheek. He's obviously the Gyaldem Sugar. (laughs) 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 The cheek of it. Um, We've got Jesse Lingard and Son Hyung Min. (laughs) Gyaldem Sugar has got me in. Pieces. <laughs> and then our manager is well it says literally word for word Liverpool manager I usually know his name but I am under pressure <laughs> and I forgot but he's my favourite with a love heart so I'm assuming oh, I've deciphered that's Jurgen Klopp yeah I mean it, the one and only <laughs> the one and only Honestly. so I guess I guess we'll, we'll put it to the listeners who do you think wins yeah. Of those two teams. A team with Jamie Redknapp. Suggesting Jamie all players are in their prime. Yeah. A team with Jamie Redknapp up top or Gyaldem Sugar on the bench. <laughs> yeah. You've got the Premier League's all-time greatest goal scorer in goal. Yes. Which, which, <laughs> he, he knows where the net is, mate, so he, he's all right. Don't worry about him. You worry about yourself, right? I've got <laughs> I've got Perry Little Mix's boyfriend at left back. Perry, right. Perry Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we have a quiz to do, my friend. We do indeed. I'm glad you said that. I can't remember what the scores were. We always keep, you know, track of a score throughout the season. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, to be honest, I mean, I have this... I kind of forgot about the quiz, to be honest. So I've just had to, I've w- I've winged it massively, massively. Okay. So I've kind of gone like European leagues, but a bit of history. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I've gone for Euro- European leagues as well. I, I'm not entirely sure if my questions are hard or not. I guess we'll find out. But obviously, we we we're Premier League kind of specialists ready to be touched on other European leagues but so with that in mind maybe not specialists like a bang average Premier League (laughs) well to keep it sort of with reference a few of my questions are like with reference to Premier League if that makes sense okay yeah um, none of mine oh one of mine is if we get there 
Okay. Because um, I've got six questions, you know, just in case there's a little bit of a tie break. So I've got six as well, um, yeah. I've gone European. I've gone difficult-ish, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think you might get two or three, which is a pretty decent result, you know, so... I have to say, when you say I've gone European, the first thing I think about is having croissants for breakfast. Ooh, That's normally when, when someone says, oh, I'm, I've gone European, I think instead of having bacon and eggs, you've had a croissant. Well, shall I tell you what? Nothing is more European, my friend, in my eyes, than a croissant with a bit of ham and a bit of cheese in it. Oh, yes, that's c- continental. Yeah, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about it. So, um, I think we should leave uh, it there to go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go first or shall I? Um, you can go first because I went first with the, the teams. Okay, cool. Good shout. Uh, what question do I go first? I'm going to go with this one. So, Timo Werner has been in fine scoring form for RB Leipzig this season and has been rewarded with a big money move to Chelsea. But who is the highest goal-scoring Premier League player to have joined the Premier League direct from the Bundesliga? Are we talking uh, just over one season, or are we talking the whole, the whole shebang? of all time, of all time? Oof. So it's I'm not gonna... a player that's just played in the Bundesliga. He has to have joined the Premier League directly from there. Okay, I'm going straight in. I'm going Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Oh, Aubameyang has scored a lot of goals since he joined from Dortmund. But I'm afraid that's incorrect. Oh. The correct answer. I, I should have wrote down the actual figure. Uh, all I can tell you is he's around 17th on the all-time list. It's Dimitar Berbatov who joined directly oh. from Lev- oh. Leverkusen and scored goals for Tottenham, Manchester United and Fulham. Honestly, I've gone balls deep there and I've just... <laughs> in pieces. Oh, right. Let's see. Let's see if you remember this. By the way, Van Nistelrooy scored more than. Oh no, Van Nistelrooy came from here in Wien. He, he came from PSV, actually. PSV. Honestly, okay, yeah. Honestly. Ignore me. <laughs> so, right. Juventus uh, got relegated for their part in the match fixing scandal in Italy. Yeah. What year? What year did they get relegated? Oh man, I remember that as well. I remember vividly because I was a bit of a. Juventus fan those times they had Cameron yeah, sure, yeah. that had, it yeah. had was it Sky Sports was their sponsor yeah I think so they had Del Piero they had Trezeguet there and I remember Trezeguet stayed with them Cameron Zambrotta they had a great team then oh man oh it must have been oh it must have been late mid late noughties it was around the time because I remember the Italian league Juventus sort of dominated for ages and then when that happened it just opened up completely because I think AC Milan had points dropped as well and then Inter Milan got good around this time and Mourinho took over yeah oh so I'm gonna oh I'm going to guess and say 2008. I might be one year before. Incorrect. <laughs> it was 2006. Oh, man. I knew it was around then because the year before, Del Piero was on the cover of... Was it Del Piero or Edgar Davids? But there was a Juventus player on the cover of FIFA. That's what I remember. I think Davids was on the cover of 2003 with Ryan Giggs. That was it. Yeah, yeah. strong effort. Free kicks were horrible in that FIFA. Yeah, I loved them. I loved 2003. <laughs> I loved the little bar where you could, you could score like 40 yarders on rubbish of free kicks now. Do you remember the one where you could like pick the part of the ball you're going to kick it? Oh, you used to, to get used bend to keep, and stuff. You used to keep spinning the ball so that you would get the, you, the little, the little, um, Swaz on it, yeah. Yeah, it's like that's anyway with a bit of swaz, decent. Mm. Still no nil. Um, it's my question, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I've got one about League Un, uh, the French league. 
So, League Un have, yeah. as things stand, ended their season early, crowning PSG the champions for the ninth time and the seventh time in the last eight years. They are not, however, the team to have won the most League Un titles. Two teams have won more. Can you name just one of them? I'm going straight in again. Marseille. Oh, correct. Yeah. Marseille and Saint Etienne have won it ten times. I thought you would go straight in and say Lyon, but no, no. no Marseille's gone for it. Smash in the bag. Good as you Leon like. Had that, remember when Leon had that dominant period where Gerard Houllier was their manager, and they had yeah, uh, man, they were... Sydney Ginny Govu. Yeah, the freak specialist. Jeez. Yeah. Right. Second question. And it follows mm. on from the first one, actually. Follows okay. on from the first one. Prior to the season, Juventus have won the last eight Serie A's. Yep. Who was the last team to win the league before then? Hmm. And it was 2010-2011. Um, 2010-2011, what was happening then? Uh, Inter were decent. AC Milan have always been decent. Roma, Lazio, Fiorentina, Napoli. It's got to be one of those. It's got to be AC or Inter, surely. Uh... Who was playing then? Diego Milito and Demande. I swear Inter were decent around then as well. Or maybe that was their fall from grace. Oh, there's a period of time where Mourinho was in charge of Inter. Oh, man. Uh, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say Inter Milan. Oh, unlucky, mate. In day C. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh man I'm not I'm I'm really you know I'm I'm a good sport honest it was it was always going to be into AC or, or yeah. yeah one of those big clubs um okay question three we on yeah uh, I'm going to skip that question and go to this oh that one's a bit easy I reckon this one's quite hard actually which one shall I do Okay, let's keep it Serie A. So, Serie A will return on the 20th of June. But like most cases around Europe, games will be played behind closed doors. Italy, sorry, this is a bit of a wordy one. Italy is renowned for clubs sharing stadiums. Roma and Lazio share the Stadio Olimpico. And Inter and AC share the San Siro. As have Atlanta during the Champions League this season. But which of the two current Serie A clubs share a stadium I need both of them for the point oh. Uh. oh what a question we're in pieces here um. do any English clubs share a stadium uh, currently Coventry and Birmingham do Coventry have just won the league as well yeah I don't like a ground share I don't, shout out to Oxford by the way getting into the playoffs um, yep. I'm, you can't see me but I'm wearing my Oxford shirt right now how proud are you <clears throat> oh yeah. wait, hold on hold on sorry proud are you um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Torino Mm-hmm. And um Oh oh I'm struggling here. <laughs> and Kievo. Kievo and Torino. They're, they're just they're, they're probably not even close. I've just gone for the two most random teams I could think of. Well, I'm afraid you're incorrect. Uh, Chivio Verona 
share a stadium with Hallas Verona. But not both of those clubs are in City A currently. The two clubs that are both in Serie A currently that share a stadium are Genoa and Sampdoria. Oh. Yeah. Tough one. Oh, I've done bad there. I've done badly. It's I have to give you a tough go. one because you're, you're winning. Yeah. I've got a gimme for you here. I've got a gimme for you. Apart from Barcelona and Real Madrid... Who has won the most La Liga titles? I want to go straight in and say Atletico. Yeah, I gave you a gimme, mate. They've won yeah. 10. Barcelona have won 26 and Real Madrid have won 33. Oh, well, here's a question. You might know the answer to this if you did that type of research, but potentially a gimme. Which is more Barcelona's La Liga titles or Bayern Munich's Bundesliga titles? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't look at the German <laughs> League. Um, did I? Did I? Did I look at the German League? Did I? I did look at the German. Oh no, this is bad. Bad. <laughs> I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Barcelona. So you're saying Barcelona have more? I'm afraid the answer is. Incorrect. Yeah, Barcelona have twenty six. Bayern Munich have twenty eight. Which is interesting because Bayern Munich are by far the most dominant club in Germany, whereas Barcelona are essentially second in in Spain. Mad, mad. Um, Right, I got, I got an insane question for you now. If you get this right, I'll stop now. Right. Is it still still one one by the way? Yes, yeah, still one one. Okay. Fourth question. Yeah. Who was the last Spanish player to be top goal scorer in the Liga? Oh. What last, a question. Last Spanish player. So I'm assuming the last few top goal scorers would have been Messi. Just loads of Messi, maybe some Ronaldo. I can, hmm? I can give you the debt. I can give you the year if you would like. Oh yes, please. Two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Whoa, was it that long ago? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh man, is that when Spain were dominant? Because remember, Spain won the World Cup and the Euros. Yeah. Yeah, they won two thousand eight Euros and the two thousand ten World Cup. And them times, the Spanish national team, Torres and David Villa, David Villa, were scoring all the goals. Uh, Torres was probably still in the Premier League then. I'm just, I'm just going to go straight in, David Villa. That is incorrect. If oh. you remember, there was one more striker in the Spanish squad. Iago Aspas. No. Danny <laughs> Greaser. Oh, I can't remember him at all. Do <laughs> you not remember Danny Greaser? What Who did player? he play for? Was it like Villarreal or something? Mallorca. Mallorca. No wonder why. Man, <laughs> that was a tough one. That was a really tough one. Um, so This is question five, isn't it? And it's still 1-1. One, yeah. one. We might have to go to these six questions. Yeah, we might. Um, got a question about the Eredivisie yeah um, which has been like finished early um, I'm going to start by saying we've had some fantastic players join the Premier League from the Eredivisie um, Hakim Ziyech is uh, probably yeah. the, the latest signing to sign for a Premier League club uh, but which former Premier League player is the Eredivisie's leading all-time goal scorer oh what a shoot. Which former player? Oh, I'm just trying to think of... Because there used to be so many strikers that come from the Eredivisie. By the way, I don't know the pronunciation of that was, but I, I kind of... My tongue slipped as I said it. Eredivisie. <laughs> um, and... 
they they used to come. Do you remember Alfonso Alves came over? Yeah. <laughs> dog show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like the Cal came over as like a 30, 30 or forty goal a season striker, unbelievable player, but was never a prolific goal scorer. Um. I'm gonna go. I feel like it's someone that. Do you know, I'm gonna go Dirk Cow. I don't think it is, but. Final answer? Yeah. You're actually correct. Yes! Dirk Cow. I haven't got the exact figure, but it's around 190 something. What a player. Area Divisi goals. What Damn. A I thought I'd catch you out on that one. I thought you might say like, I don't know, Ruud van Nistelrooy or Van Persie. No, they didn't uh, play long enough. They didn't play over there long enough. I think Dirk Cout was under the radar for a little bit and then he went back and won the league with Feyenoord. So, yeah. um, right, this is a stinger. This is a stinger. If you get this, you've done well. Well, I have to get it because otherwise you've won. Apart from Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, who, were, who was the last team to win the Bundesliga? Oh my god, Bayern Munich have won it. Oh! Oh. Actually, I remember a team causing an upset. Oh, I can't. Oh, I swear it was either Stuttgart or Schalke. Or Werder Bremen. Oh, it's one, it's definitely one of those three. I think. Um, Watch his face. Jurgen Klopp was manager of Schalke once upon a time. Jürgen, I don't think Jurgen Klopp was manager of uh, Dortmund, buddy. Yeah, but before that, no, Mainz. Oh, oh, why did I get him manager Schalke? I remember Schalke had a good manager who's gone on to do. Oh man, I swear. Or Stuttgart. Stuttgart play in. Do they play in green? For some reason, I've got in my head that Stuttgart playing colours that looks like that Liverpool kit that was white and green years ago. I might have just made that up. I can't remember what kit they wear. Stuttgart, Schalke, Werder Bremen. Who did... Um... Oh, I forgot his name. That German player that played for Chelsea and Fulham. And he's really oh, blonde. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's like really blonde and he scored against Germany when Germany bat. Sorry, he scored for Germany when Germany battered Brazil in that World Cup. Oh, yeah. I think I know who you're on about. I'm just checking now to see if he plays for this team. <laughs> I, know, I know you're on about. Schurler, Andre Schurler. Yeah, that's the one. I swear, Stuttgart, Schalke, Werder. Who are the big clubs in Germany? Stuttgart, Schalke, Werder Bremen. Leverkusen have, have been a big club. I remember in the Champions League final that year when Zidane scored that wonder goal. They were a good club. Uh, for Berlin, haven't been good for a while. Oh, man. Borussia Mönchengladbach are crap. Kaiserslautern are crap. But I only know them because Miroslav Klose has played for them for years. Um, I'm just showing off how many German teams I know now. Paderborn. Paderborn are really crap. They're like embarrassing. Uh, oh, come on, Silas. It's got to be... Okay. Werder Bremen, Schalke or Stuttgart. What are you going to go with, Silas? I'm going to go Werder Bremen. What, because of the whole green and white thing? Was it them? Yeah, they wore green and white. And I feel yeah. like I remember seeing them in the colours. You were actually onto something with the green and white, by the way. Was I? Yeah, yeah. The last team to win the league, apart from them two playing green and white. Oh, is it Wolfsburg? It's Wolfsburg. <laughs> Oh, Wolf look a crap though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really embarrassing. So, uh, Wait, I, uh, that, what year was that? That was 
2009. Oh, man. Two years before that, Stuttgart won it. And then three years before that, Werder Bremen won it in 2004. Oh, so I was on the right lines. Just, just so you're aware, Schalke haven't won the league since 1958. Okay, no, I wasn't on the right lines. I just, I think I got confused because they're teams beginning with S, Stuttgart and Schalke. Um, so you've won, Dan. Do you want the consolation question anyway? I thought this one was kind of easy, but I'm actually not entirely sure. So who was the last manager to win the Premier League in their debut season after moving directly from La Liga? Mourinho. Uh, that would be incorrect. Oh, I thought he won after Madrid coming to, back to Chelsea. No, he finished uh, runner-up in his first season, I think, back yeah. after Real Madrid. The answer was actually Manuel Pellegrini, who won his first season with City after coming from was it Malaga? Yes, well played. Well played. Yeah. I said who was the last manager, but I think he's the only manager who's done that thing from La Liga. Um, my last question was, uh, a recent study came out as to who were the most expensive players in the world. Can you name the top three? As in expensive players, if we, if money was the value yeah, it so was. What, okay. Yeah, so what, so what they're saying is this is what their transfer market worth is currently. Um... Top three, I guess Alan Shearer would be up there, maybe. No, 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 no. So it's of players that are still playing now. So oh, okay. Current, current transfer valuations. Oh, this very today. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, Mbappe is number one. Which he's worth a reported two hundred and thirty-one point one million. Wow. So it's got to obviously be players who are very young. That's the key here. Good and young. Um, so Mbappe's one. <laughs> I want to say Rashford, but it's probably not going to be Rashford. I'm not going to say Rashford. Um, good and young. Jaden Sancho is third on 159.7 million. Another good and young player. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one guess for second. Go on. Oh, you give me one guess. I was going to you meant clue. One guess. Uh, I can give you a clue, but I can give you a, it'll be a massive clue. Uh, don't give it me yet. Let me have a little think. It's not going to be Neymar because I think he's maybe to, a little. Do you want me to tell you what league he's in? Yeah, go on then. Premier League. Premier League. Uh, hmm. Something's telling me it might be Sterling. Uh, Harry Kane, he's a bit older now. Uh, let me go for it. Ha- Raheem Sterling. You would have nailed that question. Sterling's second on 173.6 million. Oh man, so you should have asked me that question then, you probably wouldn't have won. But I, mean, I should have asked you the Pellegrini question first. <laughs> uh, oh well. Well, thanks Dan, it's, it's good to be back and the Premier League is back next next weekend, is it? Yeah. Yeah, the 19th is the first first set of games, I think. Just before we sign off. Yeah. A pivotal question for you. Mm-hmm. If you used to be on Stars in Their Eyes, who would you be? So, funny story, I actually auditioned for Stars in Their Eyes, kids. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> Me and my friend were Shaggy and Ali G. Remember that song, Julie? Me, Julie. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. 
<laughs> but uh, similar to X Factor, there's like a round of producers before you get to the live show, and we didn't get past the producers. Um, so it never happened. But if you were to ask me today, who would I be? Oh, that's a great question. So I guess who can I sound like as well as who do I sort of look like? I would probably go for Luther Vandross and I'll oh. perform Never Too Much. Wow. Oh, Just Craig David. Oh, no, Luther Vandross. What about yourself? Wow. Who do I look like? Um, <laughs> so I probably... I don't know. I'm thinking maybe... I'd like to do something with a bit of umph. So I don't look anything like him, but maybe some like uh Oh I've stumped myself here. That's a I should have had, I should have had my answer done already, shouldn't I? Oh my god, I'm Enrique Iglesias. I'm going for that. Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> He looked like Diego Tristan. Remember yeah. Diego Tristan? He played for uh, Deportivo. Oh, man. What a hero he was. <laughs> and you'll perform Hero, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> that song oh, just oh, reminds me of a story surrounding oh, you and the ice oh, rink. <laughs> That's one of the only songs I can sort of play on guitar. Yeah, well, just don't play it anywhere near an ice rink. Um, I'm going to <laughs> and uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And I hope you, I hope you enjoy the listen. Yep, you too. That's in you, as well and as the fans. Way, this is going to be a new segment now. Every week I'm going to ask you a random question. I like this. That's cool. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right, mate. Take it easy. You too, buddy. Bye. Bye.